Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wrongs Are Strong Chicago podcast. I'm your host. My name is Omar Calvillo, and we just like to welcome you guys to another episode. Uh, I would like to introduce my guest. My guest today, his name's Arturo Gamino. I've known this brother for many years. I believe I met him back in, had to be around 20, maybe 2013, 2014. That's when I, we were going to New Life Garfield Ridge. And that's where I met this brother. But I'm, I'm going to throw it over to him. Maybe he could introduce himself a little bit and share about his family. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Arturo. And yeah, brother, you're right. We uh, It was back like 20, you're right, 20, I can't remember either, but 2013, 2014 when um, I think we both started attending Garfield Ridge, right? So it's been quite a few years. Praise God. Myself, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm married. Been married, uh, just uh, uh, celebrated 17 years married and have two sons, one that just turned 12 and the other 16. We're a small family, but praise God, that's the family that the Lord has given me. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, Artur, you, you want to share with everybody? Basically, you know, on this podcast, we're going to talk about how it was growing up in the, in the streets of Chicago. You want to tell the people here, what area did you grow up in? What was the name of that uh, community? And what I guess, what is that area known for, like here in Chicago, for somebody who's not from around here or who's never heard of the community where you grew up in? All right, yeah. I grew up in uh, an area called Little Village, La Villita. That's in the west side of Chicago, uh, in a part that's called South Londale. That's where I grew up for qu- quite many years. To me, it was, it's, um, you asked what kind of area was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, if you could describe, you know, to the listeners, you know, like maybe... Well, let's take it back. Maybe growing up, as you were growing up, how was that area in your eyes, like back then, you know? Yeah, when as a kid, it was, um, obviously as a kid, I think everything we see is great, right? Yeah. Uh, you're having fun, you're running around the neighborhood with the other kids. Even if you see different stuff, it becomes your normal, right? Little Village is known for a lot of things. It's known for a great business district. I think I've heard that it's the second highest revenue in Chicago next to the Mag Mile. So that says a lot, right? We know Mag Mile is very expensive. So for 26th Street, that's what the neighborhood is also called, 26th Street, Little Village, La Vita. If anyone knows that community to think that that's the second highest revenue, that's a, a good thing. That's a big thing, right? And that goes to um, my point that I want to make is that it's an area full of hardworking people, huh? Hardworking immigrants, first generation, second generation, third generation. It's a community that I guess came about in the maybe the 60s. Uh, but even before that, it was still a community of immigrants, just I think Eastern European. So I think that's the one thing of Chicago, right? I know this is called wrong to strong right. Chicago, but Chicago is a strong city. Yes. Uh, so, you know, we have hardworking people, people who work hard for their families and just want to give back, give better, you know? Right. Thanks for sharing that, because uh, obviously on this uh, podcast, we're going to be sharing what it was like like growing up in the streets of Chicago. And uh, we were talking uh, earlier before we started recording uh, about, man, not everybody, you know, that grew up in Chicago or in these communities ends up going to the streets, you know, and gangs like me and you, you know, <laughs> there's actually nice people in these communities, right? Yeah. No, you know what? It's a, it's a great community, right? That's so, you know, part of what the community is known for, right, is hardworking people, but it's also known for a lot of street violence, right? But uh, your question was, um, you know, there's other people out there, right, yeah. that didn't end up in gangs and things like that. And right. and there are. My wife's family, um, her grandfather, who recently passed away a few months ago, he was well known in, in, the, in the area. He he started some of the first businesses, Hispanic-owned businesses back in the 60s and raised, I want to say, well over 10 kids, you know, sons and daughters there who he worked hard for. You know, he labored, uh, he worked in the railroad and also owned these businesses there in the community. 
to provide for his family. Fortunately, they all did well. You know, some were involved in good jobs, uh, police officers, firefighters, working for the train. The daughters became teachers or different things. But like many families, uh, that's right. what they do to provide better for their families. So, okay, no, yeah, that's a good picture to see too, you know, because uh, we don't want to just uh, share like the the bad, but also as we were talking earlier, you know, they, there's a lot of people doing good in this community, but uh yeah, obviously, we also want to share, you know, what, what was your upbringing as far as uh, I think it's good as we get more into your story of how you ended up growing and what things you ended up getting involved in. It's good to start at the home, you know, because I believe that a lot of the stuff that we end up doing either involves our home structure, uh, things that we've seen in the home or maybe uh, a lot of the, the people that, that we're going to uh, talk to on this podcast a lot of them, maybe the mom wasn't in the home or the dad. But uh, as far as like you, what was your family structure like growing up as a kid? I come from a small family as well. I, I have one sibling and then my parents. You know, overall, you know, my parents did what they could do. They're, you know, the, like many of us, they were very young. You know, my mom had me at the age of 15 and her and my dad were married. They were young. They had a lot of uh, things going on. They were still growing up. Yes. Um, and so with that, there's always going to be some kind of issues, you know, Um but I, you know, I was young, and and like what I mentioned earlier about how the neighborhood was, what I seen to me was beautiful. But like I also mentioned, there was things around that you seen, and you kind of just really didn't phase you, right? Because those things become your normal, you know. So with my family structure, the way it was, I think like with a lot of people, there's there's fights, there's arguments, there's there's alcohol involved, there's there's all kinds of things, you know, especially with with young parents, young couples. And so that was part of my structure. You know, there's a lot there, uh, but, you know, maybe I'll share more as, as we go on. Okay. I, I know you uh, mentioned like a few times already uh, some things that became the norm. Uh, now, now that you're older, you probably look back and they're like, man, this is not normal. You know, this doesn't happen in all communities or all neighborhoods. Uh, could you share like maybe a couple of examples that you witnessed as a kid that, that you started to consider as being normal, but... Now that you're older and maybe talk to people that grew up in other parts of Chicago where, let's say, it was a little bit more peaceful. So we'll, we'll maybe share a, a couple of stories uh, with the listeners of what things you accepted as normal. But now, man, that, that wasn't normal. Yeah. You know, the, the reason I, I can see now that those things things were not normal. I see my boys uh, as I've been raising them, that there's certain things that I see. And, and when they look at those things, it surprises them. And they they actually tell me that's not normal, you know. And so the things that I've seen growing up, and I think many of us ha have seen, it's just, you know, the violence that goes on, the uh, the, the poverty, um, the alcoholism. I remember as a very small child, just the fights that, that my parents had, you know, uh, because my father drank a lot and alcohol didn't turn him into to a, the, the funny person. It turned him into the angry man, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people who drink either become one or the other. And for him was more the the angry guy. And so uh, as a young age, I, I, that was some of the things that I seen, but it eventually became normal to me. Right. Um, I seen uh, at a very young age, I seen, I started seeing shootings and gang fights, you know, uh, being four or five years old. So those things became very normal to me um, coming home and seeing uh, maybe the alley taped off because there was a body there that became normal to me. You know, all those things didn't bother me or, or, or cause me anxiety or cause me like what's going on. I'm like, Oh, that's another thing. And like, you know, my mom be like, let's just get inside the house. And we'd go inside it. And, and I sit back and watch cartoons, you know, man, that's, you know? That, that, that's crazy. How, how old do you think you were? Like when you seen like that, that, you know, the body tape, tape. Yeah, yeah. It had to be like around the ages of four to five, you know, well, here I'll go back even further. I, so I was born in the state of Washington 
Uh, that's where my parents met and, and married and whatever. And then it was a small town. So uh, my grandfather was here and my uncles were here in Chicago. So my dad decided to bring us over because there was more uh, work here. Right. And then, so I came over to Chicago around two, three years old. And then so eventually around four years old is when I started just as a kid running around the neighborhood. And that's when I started to see things, you know. Man, I, I, I can't imagine what, what that's like, you know, but like you mentioned, you, man, you're a kid and this is where I live. This is the the real world. This is your world. And this is just stuff that happens in your world, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. It was it was my world and it was like my real world. There, I didn't know anything different, you know? I didn't know anything to be like, oh, I wish I can get out of here or why is this happening? Or it was just like, hey, and you're out. When you're out, be careful, you know? Even as a little kid, those things didn't bother me. They were in the back of my mind. We just had fun because we were still kids, you know? Right. Man, that's pretty deep. I'm sure a lot of people listening can't can relate, you know, maybe, maybe there's somebody that can, but I'm sure there's a majority of people that maybe they're not from a, a city like this that where they constantly see that like on a regular, but as you were getting older, let's say as becoming maybe a teenager, was there somebody who had an influence in your life? Somebody that you looked up to uh, that maybe um, influenced you, let's say maybe somebody in a bad way, and then maybe you could share somebody who was influencing you in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at an early age, what influenced me a lot was just that lifestyle, the gang lifestyle. This was the early 80s, just seeing these um, nice, fancy cars, guys out there with, with women, you know. And they probably weren't even old guys. They were probably just teenagers with young girls. You know, like I said, I was five years old, six years old. And, and just seeing that, you know, influenced me that I admired that. I was like, wow, you know, this is cool or whatever, you know. Again, that was the norm to me. That was always in the back of my head. And I always thought, okay, eventually I'll age into that, you know? So that was kind of like uh, what you've seen as your future, I guess. Yeah, basically, right. Yeah. It wasn't like I had options, you know, and it wasn't like I didn't have options. It was like, that's just what it was. You grow up here, this is it. And that's that's part of the cycle. You grow up, that's what you become. Right. And as I'm picturing, maybe these are like the footsteps that I'm going to follow into. Like, this is this is what it is when you're from uh, from this area where you grew up in. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And again, I don't look at it as I didn't have any options. I didn't know anything, you know? So that's why I look at it like that. Like, man, the, um, and when you don't really see anything else, that's just what you keep walking towards too, right. you know? Okay. Now, uh, how old were you when you started to steer like into that direction? Or maybe like when you officially took that step, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to join this gang. Was there a young man in particular, maybe that drew you in? Was it a group of friends? It was just like, a group of you, like, man, we're just going to get in. How was that for you? For me, it was, um, so I was 12 when, when, when I actually, I guess you want to say officially right. joined or whatever, right? But even years before that, um, even with my friends, you know, we grew up in the neighborhood. The older guys would see us. And what I mean, older guys, it would they could be 12, 13, and we were like eight, right? And Or even they were 15, and we were like nine, 10. But we get to know them. A lot of them were my friend's brothers. I only have one sibling, and it's a sister, right? But my friends had a lot of older brothers, older cousins, uncles. And so they would be the guys in the neighborhoods and, you know, uh, a little, hey, what's up, shorty, or whatever, you know? Um, and so we would feel good. But uh, there were there was multiple people, right, that kind of draw you closer, look out for you. But at the age of 12 is when I actually turned out, so. Okay. So it was kind of like more like a family structure, like for you, I guess, like that drew you in? It, yeah, I would say so. Again, it was just like, that's the neighborhood. You know, that's for years, it was really about the nation, right? I think if, if you're in Chicago, you know what that means, right? It's about the nation. But towards the end of it, it really just became about the neighborhood, meaning like really my block or my blocks and my guys, you know? 
Right. But now maybe if you could explain that a little bit more, because I, I think I know you were trying to say the nation, let's say it's like the particular gang that you were in. And that could be like different branches throughout the city. Right. Correct. And some of these things I just take for granted, right, that right. people understand. But here in Chicago, it's a nation you're under and a nation like our country, America, that's a nation. Right. It's huge. It's 50 states. So similarly with a gang, there's a nation and there's like you mentioned, there's uh, different blocks, different chapters or whatever you want to call them, you know. And that's what a nation would be. It's just a large whole organization in itself. Right. But uh, scattered throughout the city and not even got to be particularly tied to your neighborhood, but maybe even southeast or west from where you were at. So Exactly. Here in the city of Chicago, I guess it breaks down into four parts, right? It's the north side, south side, west side, and even the southeast side, right? Right, right. And so you can have gangs in either one part or you can have gangs in all four parts or even the suburbs here of Chicago. Okay. Now, uh, I know you mentioned it, and it became more in particular, not about the nation, but uh, like from your block. Like I know in Chicago, you say you got gangs and you're a particular gang. But like me, like even growing up, like in Pilsen, like the gang that I was a part of, you even start to have conflict amongst each other, (laughs) even though it's the same nation. But it could be like a block, two blocks away, and they're different. And exactly. So you you want to share a little bit about that? Like maybe your experience as far as that goes? Yeah, exactly. We would have a lot of conflicts like that. Mostly in my time, it, it was just a lot of fights, fist fights, and probably major fist fights, right? I know now they're a little more different. They're the same. Uh, a nation would, would probably, from, from what I understand, they may shoot at each other nowadays. But when I was growing up, it was just, there was conflict, uh, right? But um, it would get settled, you know, with a fist fight. And so, because we still consider ourselves part of a family because we were part of the nation. Um, but I know as I started getting older that the, the term renegade started getting really big, you know? And, and, and so I really liked that too. Like, you know, it, even though our, our group was smaller, it, it, it made you feel like, man, we're, we're, we're the, the real ones. Yeah. Or something. yeah, yeah right. I got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's part of the, uh, the street culture. But uh, you, you want to share what, um, maybe your mentality was as you're coming into the gang, as you're getting older, uh, maybe as you're like, they say putting in the work, what the gang life involves. Uh, what was your mentality back then as a young man? Like uh, how do you view yourself and uh, how do you view what, what you were doing? Like, what did that mean to you? Um, I kind of mentioned, right. It was a little village where I grew up at, but even little village is broken up into certain sections. Right. So I grew up like on the West end of little village um, and it's called K town. And uh, that's just basically because the streets in that neighborhood are all named, uh, start with a K. Um, so my mentality, my view of things was just that this is life. We got to take care of ourselves. We got to take care of the neighborhood. And that's whatever is involved is just part of it. Like a lot of it wasn't never out of anger, drunkenness or anything like that. It was just part like my mentality was more like this is business. This is my life. This is uh, so I'm a, a believer now in Jesus Christ, right? So my mentality now is is kingdom-minded, right? I believe in the, the kingdom of God. We want to advance his kingdom. I'm a soldier for Christ. And so we're supposed to lay down our lives uh, once we become believers. And uh, so the mentality was similar back then, but I didn't know Christ back then, right? But my mentality was to lay down my life for the world, right? Which made no sense, really. Or, or, or for your nation or, or, for the or, nation. or for your block. Or right? for my, yeah, eventually my block, right? And that was the mentality, like that whatever we do, whatever happens, you know, uh, this is it. I can honestly say that I've had great friendships, a great bond with them. When when I look back at things, there were some great relationships, there were great friendships, yeah. great, great bond, you know? But I know not everyone has that. There's always a lot of, you know, stuff like backstabbers or, or yeah. things like that, you know? But it sounds like your experience was, man, like you mentioned... 
your friends, brothers, uncles, and all that. More like a family feel. That yeah. So it was hard to even have a bad view of it, a bad mentality, right? I didn't think anything was wrong with it, to be honest. You know, I thought, okay, this is this is again, as a young age, that was what I was thinking all the time. My mind was always, this is part of it. This is life. This is what I grow into, um, and and this is just life here, you know. Right. And so. I didn't have a bad view of it because because I was blind, really, you know? Right. Yeah, and that was like, you mentioned your reality, and, and you were ready to lay down your life yeah. for, for this, you know? I'm thinking there, there's a, a song by Lecrae, and there's part of the song that where he says, they tell me that I'm good at being bad, at least they're proud of me. It, was there somebody, like maybe in your neighborhood, was like, man, I'm, I'm proud of you and it made you feel good? Like it made you want to do more stuff for the gang because, man, look, at I'm getting noticed or they're patting me on the back for doing what was essentially bad. But at that time, it was good in your eyes. Oh, absolutely. You know, like I think everyone wants to be, what's that word? We want to be like uh, affirmed or affirmed, recognized, yeah. right? Uh, exactly like that, you know, and I kind of touched briefly about my family structure, right? So my, my dad was around, basically he did live with us physically, but he was always out, you know? And so I didn't never got that, you know, just being affirmed, being recognized, acknowledged and just, you know, good job, you know, this and that. Right. Um, and so, so I didn't realize that we needed that, you yeah. know? And so when I got that, um, uh, it was, it's, I think there's a term called like, um, like a like a negative reinforcement when you do something yeah. bad and, and you get like a praise for it, right? Um, so you keep doing those things. So that's how I was, right? When when I when I did something uh, when I was young, really young, and doing things, um, and then you get somebody say, "Hey, hey, shorty, good job. Yeah. Oh, that's what's up, shorty." Yeah. You know, like you know, uh, yeah. well, keep an eye on this shorty. He knows what's up. You know, yeah, yeah. So you you're like, wow, okay, cool. I'm, I'm getting noticed, yeah, hey, man. Somebody's yeah. proud of me, and, yeah. And and you know what that does do something to a young man, especially when he's not getting it from home. Uh, let's say maybe uh, the father doesn't acknowledge you, like you mentioned, he's not in the home, or all you keep hearing is uh, how dumb you are. Uh, you know, in Spanish, menso, stupido, you know, and all these negative words that get thrown at you, and then you hear somebody, hey, man, good job, hey, man, I noticed you, and you're like, man, it makes you, you know, like maybe stick out your chest a little bit, and it makes you want to, like you mentioned, do more for them, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it does. You feel like, okay, I am really part of this, you know, uh, and especially as a young kid, you're 11, 12 years old, and you get to ride around with some of the guys in, in these nice cars, and, and you might be the only young guy there, you're like, man, you know, like everyone, you you, you cruise around, and then, you're like, man, I hope everybody sees me from school or something. I'm with these guys and then with this nice car, you know, uh, it does, you know, it messes with your mind. You start thinking, oh, this is, you know, that plays a big role in it. You know? is, is there any story or something that impacted you even to this day that you remember from those days? Maybe there's something that, man, like, I'll never forget that day. Uh, you ain't got to mention names or nothing, but maybe the situation, what happened, something that's like, you know, maybe seared in your mind, like. Yeah, well, like I mentioned earlier, being five years old, coming home, um, seeing the alley taped off, right? And, you know, basically it was covered, the body was covered. And that impacted me. And I didn't realize it at that time. But I realize it now that I'm older, just, you know, as God's working in me and stuff like that. I realized that um, that impacted me in a huge way, you know? I think it made me numb, it made me cold. And I think that was part of the enemy's plan, right? Uh, you know, we know that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Even steal, kill, and destroy a little three, four, five-year-old, you know? 
Um, and and that's what was going on there. We talk about a spiritual warfare, right. and man, that starts that starts off way young. In a sense, mo- may, almost like it made you disregard life or like the value of life. I, I guess so. Now that I look back at it, yes. Well, growing up, I never had those thoughts. Right, like, oh, who cares about life? And I never was never like that. You know, to me, it was like we partied a lot. We had a great time, and all that. There was always stuff going on, right? Um, I, <laughs> you know, we try to keep things kind of, you know. Uh, I don't want to keep it too secretive, but but you, people from Chicago can kind of just imagine, right, what goes on out here in the streets. And and so a lot of that, everything was done just either for fun or just because we were, that's part of the lifestyle that it, it never bothered me. And uh, it never, I would never, was angry at anything, you know, I never felt like, like, like you mentioned about like, oh, you know, made me numb to, to death or whatever. But now that I look at it, I, it totally did. It did yeah. do that, you know, just, I didn't realize it at that time, you know. Right. It, it makes it, uh, I would say... Like you mentioned, it's just normal. This is the way life is. And when you start to lose friends and all that, age, what you've seen at five years old, is like, that's just what happens around here. Right, right. So you do be getting numb to it or seeing it, but it's a little different when it hits home, you know? So I was probably about seventh, seventh grade, eighth grade when a friend of mine's passed away, you know? Um, and, and so I started to realize, okay, death is real, you know? Death is real and, and it impacts, you know, you see their family, you see, you know, this person, this young person is not going to be around anymore. And so little by little, then that stuff started to change me in a different way, you know? Right. Like, could you say how or like? Uh, yeah, yeah. Little, you know how that, how it changed me more was I started to go more into a dark place, you know? Uh, we're either in the light or in the dark, right? And so I was totally in the dark, you know? But that's what it did to me that first time, you know? I look back now. So a lot of this stuff is... Is that now that I'm older, God's been working in me, working in my heart and just my mind and just kind of realizing how I am sometimes and where it came from. And a lot of it is obviously our childhood, growing up, things we've seen, things we've done. But I started stepping into darkness, you know. Can you explain to the listeners what are some of these dark things you were doing? I mean, you ain't got to get like. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I say darkness, right, is because I may have been doing a lot of the same things or being part of the same things. Now I can kind of look at it as more as an evil enjoyment of the things I was doing, right. if that makes sense. Um, now, that does involve, like, let's say, fighting, hurting people. Yeah, what, what, just what, fighting, hurting people, things like that. Just part things that are part of the, out, out, out on the streets, you know? Right. Um, and so, like I mentioned, the, the, the thing that I see that was darker was the enjoyment of it, you know? Right. Of actually, okay, you know, that happened right now. That just happened, you know? So it happened, no, no remorse and no remorse yeah. ever. Right. Right. You know, and, and probably uh, going back to your neighborhood and getting a pat in the back, like you mentioned, getting that reinforcement again. You, well, you, sort of, because some of those things I didn't, I, you know, right. You don't want to, nobody to know about. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was at that part, I was, by that time I was okay. I didn't need that reinforcement. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but, but like you mentioned, you were like taking enjoyment and, and but, but in my own, so I would pat my own back, you know, I'm like, man, dude. You know? Yeah. So. I got you. Like, man, I'm, I'm in this. I'm ready to lay my life down. I'm ready to put in the work, you know? And everything that that entails. Uh, when or how, if you want to share, how old were you, like, when God was about to come into your life? Like, Oh, I got to say about 18, 19 okay. years old. All right. No, sounds good. Yeah. Um, how, how did that process start? Was it, maybe if you could share who started sharing with you about the things of God. Yeah. Uh, who, you know, who witnessed to you, shared the gospel. Uh, share how that, that, that process came about. Sure. So I'll go back even further, right? I'll go back okay. to when I was like six, seven years old. I used to get on the bus. Anybody from Chicago, 
I don't know if they still do it, but especially back in the 80s, if they seen a yellow bus on Sunday, they knew that was the yellow bus that took you to to a Baptist church in Indiana, you know? Yeah. And and usually it was always just a lot of kids from the neighborhood, and there would be a lot of fights because there were and, kids from different neighborhoods. And, and, yeah, and, and they would do this. Yeah, you mentioned they would go throughout the city with, yeah. with lots of buses and pick up kids. And pick go up ahead. kids to go to church on Sunday, right? Uh, during the week, they'd come out and visit homes or visit the neighborhoods and ask, hey, you want to come out? And they knew where they, what neighborhoods they were going to, what families. And so that was my first step into the things of God, you know. Um, I Actually, I got baptized as a little kid. Uh, uh, how old were you? I was probably like six years old, you know. Um, and, and I don't consider that really like much, you know, but, but it is much because God was doing something, you know. Almost like maybe he was planting a seed even back then in your life. Exactly. He was planting a seed back then, totally. And because only for that small season was what I had uh, to go on for the rest of my life until at least the next over 10 years until I got to know Christ. That little season, uh, whatever God filled me with, whatever I learned, uh, that's what I had to grow up in that darkness uh, and evilness, you know? Okay, you mentioned, I know you got baptized. Is is there anything you remember else about going there? Like, uh, maybe did they do Bible studies with you? Well, what are the kind of stuff that you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. So the way they got you to go was they gave you either goldfish or some kind of prizes. Uh, you, you'd earn some pro points at the Bible studies there on Sunday. So they had service and then they had like little breakout sessions with studies. Um, and then they had games, so you win stuff. And so I was like, cool, it's, it's Sunday. What am I going to do? Just, you know, parents were probably sleeping in. And I think, you know, a lot of families, they party on Saturday nights. And so I was like, man, let me just go. You know, they're going to be sleeping. And so that was my first um, experience with, with God, you with, know. With a, like a Christian environment. A Christian environment, okay. right, right. Now, now fast forward back to when you were 18, uh, what, what happened or what started to happen? Yeah, well, what started to happen, I guess, is, is what really has always been happening. It was always going up, but now it starts to really impact you. You started seeing the things that was happening. So a lot of people were just getting locked up, getting arrested. And by that time, too, I already had a lot more friends that had passed away, you know. Um, and some friends were having kids and some weren't around anymore. And so it started getting a little lonely, to be honest. There would be times I'd be out there by myself. It'd be midnight. I'd be <laughs> on the corner by myself just seeing who comes out drinking a 40 or something, you know, uh, just waiting for somebody because for whatever reason, I wouldn't want to go home, you know. Right. That that was basically what started getting me thinking about things where, you know, people are are leaving, people are gone, people have things to do. Um, you kind of see life kind of closing up a bit, you know. Right. Now, was there anybody in particular who started to share the word of God with you? Yeah. Or? You know, God, the way God works is there's always more than one person, right? Okay. You may not realize it at the time, but there was a few people. So I'll, I'll mention a few people, yeah. right? Uh, first, my, the way I got to know my wife was through our siblings, my, me and my wife's siblings. They were dating, you know, and that's how we got to know each other, right? Um, so my father-in-law um, at the time, obviously, wasn't my father-in-law, but he was working out in the neighborhoods. He worked just reaching out to youth through some organization, trying to reach youth to turn them towards Christ, you know? Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. yeah. He was very impactful, man. There's quite a few brothers out there that, man, are blessed by his obedience to Christ. Oh, man, nice. Yeah, yeah. And they're and they're out doing the same now, you know? So praise God, man. There's some great seats on there, and God did some amazing things, you know? But it was cool. He never really tried to steer me into church or whatever, but he just talked to me, you know, a little okay. here, a little there. Um, and I seen what he would be doing. So that was what God was starting to work on, you know. Um, and so that was a process, right? It was a process that God was working in me. Those things were going on in the neighborhood. That was going on with um, when now my father-in-law, right? And so then there was also another brother um, who had turned his life to Christ. And he was now 
ministering to people on in 26th Street in Little Village. And when I see him, I'm like, man, what's this guy doing? He, this <laughs> hey, guy's really gone crazy. Hey, you know? I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. Um, what, how did you view this guy prior to this? Or if you could explain this, what, what was he known for? I know you mentioned, man, this guy's gone crazy. So who was he before he started sharing Christ? Yeah, so... <laughs> So the reason I like, uh, he's not crazy because I was like, man, he's really gone. We, so here, I don't want to say too much, right? No, no, yeah, just, you know, just but, in but, general. But like, like in, in the neighborhood, um, like for me too, you know, I used to smoke sticks out there. Okay, this, can you explain what that is? Yeah, I guess uh, it was sticks, it's, it's a cigarette dipped in embalming fluid and you just smoke it, you know, right. and it gives you a terrible high, you know, really, to be honest, it just, it just messes with your mind. But this brother was on that like really, really hard for years, you know, and everyone you know, he would go into other neighborhoods, um, like enemy neighborhoods or whatever, um, and and on that stuff, and he'd go knock up on a, on a door that they were having a party at and just start representing and, and get chased out of there and get beat, you know? Uh, he was, he, God was, had favor on him because he, he never passed, you know? Man, uh, so he, he could have died a, a the, lot of times. Yeah, under that under that influence, right? Um, but... Then I seen him later on and he was, had been preaching. I had seen him kind of, I had seen him before just kind of walking, dressing differently, you know, actually with a tie and stuff. Uh, Cause he was going to a church out in, in Indiana, which is like a Baptist church. Right. And that's, that's, I guess that's the style, right? Yeah. And so I noticed that. And then I actually talked to him one night and he just shared with me, you know, what God was doing with him uh, and just shared with me the gospel, you know, and I had never really heard it or had been open to it. But again, God, God's the one that really uh, opens our hearts, right? Holy right. Spirit's just like preparing the time and that night, my ears were open and my eyes were open. And what he said spoke to me. And I knew that I needed a, I needed a savior. I knew I was heading to hell. Um, not because so much of the things I was doing. Yes, because of the things I was doing. But because I was just a sinner, right? Right. Uh, and that I needed a savior, which is Jesus Christ. So, Amen. Thank, thank God for that brother Amen. being obedient. You yeah. know, God grabbing yeah. a hold of one. Uh, that's what I always tell people, man. It's not just about you. It's about... Uh, those that God's going to reach through your life, you know? And a lot of times we don't really see what God is doing. And a lot of times we could be following God and, uh, you know, am I really making an impact and really making a difference? And who knows if this brother knows that years later now, man, that those seeds he planted, those words that he spoke over you, like, man, they really had an impact. Like you mentioned, it opened your eyes to the reality of your true condition as a sinner in need of a savior. And what began to happen in your life or what started to change through this process as you encounter Christ? Yeah, as um, as I encountered Christ, things started to change, right? A lot of things changed. And I could notice a lot of those things, right? I did have certain friends that passed away, certain friends that had to face jail time, long jail time, right? Other friends that either decided, hey, I'm going to be a family man now. Or, you know what, I can't come around because I got to work and take care of the shorty. You know, they still wanted to be in the neighborhood, but it was different, right? All these things started changing. Even where I lived, I had to move out of there because of an emergency in the building. So we had to leave the building and I ended up moving out to the town I live now, right? Which okay. is, I've been there for over 20 years. But even God had a hand in that, you know, little by little, I started attending church. My wife was going to church because her family grew up as believers. And so I started attending the church her and her aunt was going to, and her cousin was a youth leader at the time. So all those things, God started bringing these things around and I could see God's hand, you know, and I didn't want to fight it. You know, my flesh wanted to fight right. it, you know, uh, and it did many times, right? What, but, what, what, what do you mean by your, your flesh? Like somebody who doesn't know what that means, what, what do you mean? Yeah, so my flesh is me, right? What I want, uh, you know, 
my soul are, is different, right? I want to please God. I want to honor God. No, by, by the, the spirit. Like by the, the spirit, spirit yeah, yeah. 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 So, so what are some of those things that the flesh wanted that you know is contrary to the spirit, yeah. to the spiritual so, life? <laughs> so that summer, I think it was 97. And so what the flesh wanted was... You know, I was a 19-year-old teenage guy, you know. I enjoyed dating, I right. guess, to say a nice yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice way. No, right, right. You know, but, and so the body, you know, my flesh wanted another flesh, you know. Right. It constantly wanted flesh, and, and it wanted, um, maybe I didn't want to get high anymore, but I wanted to, to maybe still drink. I still wanted sometimes to hang out, you know, in the neighborhood and things like that. But at the time, God was still working on me, and he's done so much work in these over 20 years, right? And he's still doing so much work, right? right? But at the time, I wanted a peaceful life. I wanted to say, okay, I'm going to be happy and good now. And still, like, what's that saying? You want, I wanted my cake, cake and, and eat it too. too. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It, it, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to be good with God, but still do my own thing. But I didn't realize that that's not how it goes, you know? Now with God, you know? What, what, what are some of those things that change immediately? And then what are some things that, man, it took a while or maybe God's still working on? So maybe start with like some of the immediate change that maybe people close to you noticed. And then some of the things that throughout the years, man, he's revealed this to me uh, and he helped me with that or he's still helping me with that. Yeah, I, I think one of the things was right away leaving the neighborhood, you know, um, physically, right? I left the neighborhood physically because I was kind of forced to because of what was going on in that building, but also just leaving it behind that part of me realizing that hey um that that's not what god wants you know gotcha maybe like the allegiance or like you mentioned man i was ready to lay down my life for this yeah because like i said it, it wasn't anymore about the nation it was about the neighborhood and to right. me the neighborhood was was my close friends the relationships the bond and so it was hard i look at it as yeah. turning my back on my brothers you know that's that, that that's tough because you you spend most of your life I did you yeah. know like, like you mentioned just the the family bond that you had there in that neighborhood the community and it it, it does feel like man I'm betraying them but and, and now that you look back it's not betraying them because God was working on you like almost like pulling you out to begin to bring change into your life and can you share an instance where after God pulled you out and started working on you changing you how maybe you had an impact on somebody else that was still there or one of those friends that you knew. Yeah, I think there was, there's was. there been a big impact. Even though I struggled, you know, being a, a good believer in, in, back then, or even now, right? Obviously, I, I'm still full of the flesh, right? But right. God, we still keep walking, right? But I try to, just to share with them, you know, just to be faithful with them. But like I said, I was a very young believer and there was times when I thought, okay, I could be good. I'm just going to go share with them. But I would end up drinking or partying okay. or getting, right? But now are those things that like you regret now, like looking back uh, or like, or how was that well, for you? Well, I regret it because I feel like I didn't honor God, but at okay. the same time, I know God used that for good. Right. Because, um, because just because of the fact of what people have said afterwards, you know, okay. like even when I try to go back again later, I've had brothers be like, even, even their wives be like, Oh, what are you, what are you doing here? You're with God now. You're doing good, yeah. man. You know, like get out of here. Yeah. Even though they wanted me to hang out, but they like, man, bro, yeah. don't come back to this life. You know, you, you know what? Cause I, I think even then they know that it's not good for you. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's somebody that cares for you. Like, man, you know what you're yeah. doing? Good man. Just get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right, you, already, right. you, you made it, you made it this far, man. You got, you know, your wife and kids now. Right. Exactly. And, and, and I didn't realize that, you know, I used to feel like, ah, oh, you know, like, man, I am, uh, I betrayed right. them. There's, where's my loyalty, you know? But, but like you mentioned, those are good friends when they say, yeah. Hey man, 
get out of here, man. Yeah, you, get, you yeah. know, you're doing, you got something good going, you know? Amen. So I, I know it's been like a, a long journey. You mentioned 20 years seeking God's, you know, yeah, serving yeah, him. Yeah. And I'm sure you had your ups and downs, but uh, can you share with us what's something that God's doing in this season? Maybe you could share what ministry you're in. What are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, over the 20 something years, I've seen a lot. I've seen God do a lot. And uh, so there's no way I can ever say God hasn't worked in my life because he's worked mightily with miracles, you know. But uh, even this past few years, I just seen God moving me differently. A lot more peace, just allowing him to really work. Uh, for a very long time, I, I try to do a lot of things on my own, which is good, right? We should be doing things, but I try to do them on my own without him. You know right. what I mean? And so now I kick back, really, and just try to be faithful and be led by the Spirit, you know? Okay. Uh, pray about everything. And sometimes I may not have an answer from my prayer, but I walk in faith, believing that God's going to have something. So I just go ahead and, and, and go, you know, and he always does. He always comes through. So I, I'm raising my family way differently than I was raised. Okay. Uh, like well, I well, well, want to share some of those things that you're doing differently? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, you know, just being around with my kids and my wife, even that trying to pour into her, appreciate her, pursue her. You know, growing up, I always felt like the woman should be lucky to be with, <laughs> with me, right? You know, that's the, how full the, of the, my, the way you knew God back then is that I'm God's gift to women. Yes, that's right. You know, that's how full of myself I was, you know, and, and I'm sure I still am full of myself, right? But I didn't realize that I'm really the blessed one. I'm really the one um, that God has given provision to. And so he's given me a gift of my wife and my children, you know? And I'm truly blessed. And so a lot of that, I have had to humble myself and obviously eat a lot of what I've said, take back and apologize. And not only just by words, but also by actions, which is really hard, I think, for a lot of us, right, is the action part, right? It's like, I already said to you that I'm sorry. I already said to you, yeah. I love you. But how? show me, you know? Gotcha. So now those are the things the last few years I've been really working on with both, you know? A wife and kids and also my family, my mom, my dad, a sister and my nephews and things like that. Right. Just people around trying to show them more, you know, okay. uh, because that was always a, a big struggle for me, too. It's more like um, uh, kind of so somewhat of a poker face. Right. Like no right. one knew how I felt what they were yeah. doing. I didn't show like, oh, hey, I love you or hey, I hate you. It's just like, cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I hope it's more love than hate that you show showing <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. telling. No, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I th you, know, you want to share like uh, some of the, the ministry you're involved in? Like, What are you doing in this season of life? Yeah. So praise God. God's been just taking me through different things. I've struggled with anxiety and things like that. I'm introverted, right? So I like to kick back and be in the background, be quiet, you know, uh, and just take things in and just kind of speak here and there. But I've been serving in the men's ministry, leading the, the studies with the men. So for me, it's kind of a lot because it kind of takes on like a, like a speaker role. You know, right. I got to be prepared, you know, which is good. I, I should be prepared. Right. And so things like that I've been doing recently. Um, uh, and, and for some people, they'd be like, oh, that's nothing. Right. But I've been doing announcements at, at church recently. And for me, that's a huge thing because yes. it's in front of a crowd. And to speak in front of a crowd for me, it's not easy. Right. It's always been a struggle. But again, the other ministry, uh, I think our big ministry is our family. Right. Uh, right. Just taking that step. Uh, of course, there's times where. I lack in areas and other parts where I'm doing well. But again, um, uh, God's always working in me, you know. And so I just look forward to seeing how my boys uh, grow up, you know. Amen, amen. Okay, keep putting in that work. Amen. Mm -hmm. It is making a difference. Man, you mentioned earlier uh, pouring into your marriage. Very important, you know. But that's our first ministry as men, you know. Amen. amen. <laughs> like, like you mentioned, like, as you get into the Word of God, maybe you hear some preachings or lessons, you begin to realize, man, my way of thinking about how I should treat my wife or women, it, it wasn't correct. But... If we look back at our childhood or growing up, what did those men that we looked up to tell us? Yeah. How we should talk to women, how we should treat women. 
uh, what kind of values should we place on them and really the own biblical values, right, or way of looking at them. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, growing up from uncles to to family, friends, all, all the men, that's what it was. You know, uh, my dad, he would tell me, you know, in Spanish, he goes, Echale los perros, you know. Uh, and I kind of really don't know how to translate that to English, but it's just try, like, try just so, the, so, so echale los perros means like, man, just kind of like sick the dogs at them so, okay. and, and kind of saying like, man, you, you go for that girl. You, I see you looking at gotcha. that girl, you know, go, go, you know. All right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good way to explain <laughs> so, it. So that was my mentality always. I'm going to echale los perros to yeah. all of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's bad, bad, you know. Oh, but, yeah, it is. But it's, it's very important to examine where do we get these ideas from. They just didn't come to us, man. We learned them, you know. And these were probably from men that we looked up to. And this is what it means to be a man. This is what I got to do. And once we come to God, God got to almost like to reprogram us, right? Absolutely. Uh, the, the renewal of the mind, like the Bible says, right? And not to think on things below, but on things above and those things that are pleasing to God. But thank you for sharing your story, Arturo. And uh, I see God moving in you, you know, throughout the years. We've done ministry together, men's Amen. ministry, Amen. Uh, you know, security, and just trying to serve in whatever capacity is needed at, at church. We're part of a New Life Community Church, a Cicero location. How long have you been there for? How long has it been? Well, well New Life, altogether, New Life, it's, I guess, like a multiple locations. But I started going to New Life when I got saved in 97. Man. Yeah. So what, 25 years? Yeah, yeah, man. right? Uh, yeah, 25 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good at math, man. There you that go. was quick, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but man, yeah, that's awesome, man. And, and God's still moving. We, we, we come to Christ. He begins to work in us. Some things are immediate, but man, it's a process. And uh, if, if there's any man out there like listening, like maybe somebody came to faith in Christ and maybe has a, a setback, a downfall, something that he's not too proud of, what, 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 what kind of advice would you give him? And don't don't give up. Do not give up. You know, I don't feel like oh I, you messed up and that's it because the Bible says God is patient with us. You know, God is graceful and there's no sin that His grace doesn't cover. Right. So first, don't be discouraged, but also don't think that your sin is too big that God can't take care of it. God is a big God, a mighty God, a loving God, and a forgiving God. He knows you. He knows the sin that you've made, and He knows the sins that you're gonna make. He's got a calling on your life. If you're with Him, walking with Him there's a calling on your life. The enemy wants to trip you up and he does at times we fall into it. But you know what? Dust yourself off and get up again, you know? Amen. Amen. Uh, if you don't mind, Arturo, could you close us out? Maybe say a prayer for the listeners. Maybe there's some young men who have a similar background like you. Maybe there's some young men or older men now that, man, that struggle with those images that they seen as a kid that that has affected them. Maybe it led them astray, uh, gang life, led a man to do drugs, maybe to try to to numb some of these images that, that might still affect them. Say a prayer, maybe even for, like for your friends or community, but whatever God places on your heart. Amen, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Father God, and we just bow ourselves at, at your feet. We want to give you the glory. I thank you for your grace, your mercy, Lord God, the things you've done in my life, Father God, the things you've done in my family's life, and just the things that you're doing. Uh, you've truly taken me out of darkness, Lord God, and into the light. And, and so I pray that those that are in darkness, that they wouldn't just stay in that darkness. Even if they see a little glimpse of light from far away, Lord God, that they would walk towards it. Lord God, and I know as they walk towards it, that light's going to get brighter and brighter, Father God, because that light is you just calling on them, Lord God. But you're a patient God. You don't intrude. You're there for us because when we come to you, Lord God, we come to you wholeheartedly. We come to you counting the cost, understanding that we don't want anything else but you. I thank you, Lord God, that, that you've brought so much peace in my life. Even through the hardships, through the trials, there's peace. 
Your word says that consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. So I just thank you for that peace in, in my life, Father God. So I pray for those that are lost in darkness in the world, that they would come to know you, Lord God, that they would come to understand that there is a heaven and a hell, and that without you, without Jesus Christ, they're heading to hell, Lord. Not because you hate them, Father God, but you actually love them. That's why you gave your only begotten Son, Father God, that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have eternal life. So I just pray God soften their hearts, that they would bow, that they would just get on their knees, Father God, and surrender to you, surrender their ways, Lord God, and accept you, Father God, so they wouldn't be heading to, towards hell, Father God, but be heading towards you. I pray for all those that are hurt, lost, just living in evilness, hard hearts, just working on Father God. Bless this time, God. Bless this word tonight. Uh, whatever I shared, Father God, is for your glory. It's for your kingdom. So I pray that this would even just bring even one person to you, Father God, where they would surrender their lives, that they would see the need for you and, and just find the hope in you, Father God. Uh, bless this ministry, uh, uh, Wrong to Strong Chicago podcast. Bless it, Father God. Use it mightily, Father God. God, use it to expand your kingdom. For those that are lost would find you, Father God. I pray for the city of Chicago. We hear all these things about how bad it is. And it is bad, Lord God, because there's sin out there. But also, Lord God, there's good out here. There's a lot of good things because we know uh, your church is out here praying, working, sharing. So we just uh, continue to lift up the city, all the neighborhoods, all those lost, Father God. We pray for the churches, the ministries, uh, for anointing on them, for that they would just continue to advance your kingdom, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, brother. Man, th thank you for coming on here uh, tonight, uh, for taking time to share your story. Man, I I've known this brother for many years now, and during a 50-minute conversation, I think I've learned much more, man, for real. Some of the stories you shared really uh, give insights as to the man you are and, and what God's done. You know, it's evident. Uh, man, I thank you for your time. You know, God bless you, your wife, and your children. And uh, man, uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, once again, this is the Wrong to Strong Chicago podcast. Uh, my name is Omar Calvillo, and I am Wrong to Strong. Yeah.